one. We're alive for a new episode of the Electric Podcast. I am Fred Lambert, your host, and I'm joined by Seth Wintraub. How are you doing today, Seth? I'm good. All right. Uh, I hope everyone is good because this is going to be a long one, probably. We're going to try to keep it sharp, keep it going, but there's a ton of news this week. Obviously, Tesla earnings contributed a lot to that, but there was the Shanghai Motor Show, too. A bunch of uh, EV unveilings that we want to get into uh, on that also, a few very good-looking ones, a few very interesting ones. So stay tuned for that at the end. We're going to have a, a couple of slideshow for you to, to judge. Uh, but we're going to start with the Tesla earnings because, believe it or not, uh, Tesla is still the biggest uh, EV automaker out there. And they deploy more volume than anybody else. So it's important to track them. And their earnings is also important because the fact that they can deliver vehicle, electric vehicles profitably uh, shows the rest of the industry that it's possible and that they should work, work towards that. But before the earnings this week, there was something uh, also very interesting, which was a big price cut. Um, so nothing new for Tesla in 2023. Uh, 2021, 2022 was just price increases, price increases, price increases. Boom, reversal of the roles in 2023. Big price cut early in the year, a few price adjustments over the last few months. And now another big wave of price cut this week. Uh, for, for Model 3 and Model Y. So Model 3, the base version, went from $42,000 to $40,000 now. So it's the lowest it has been since, uh, I think, three years now. Uh, so it's a big a big price cut. And um, the, uh, the, the other models haven't changed much or at all, actually. Well, I mean, the Model 3 long range still is still not available for order in the US for some reason. It's really weird. Um, Multi performance to the same price. So one of the reasons for this price cut here has to do most likely with the fact that in the US it lost half of the federal tax credit. So it looks like Tesla is trying to compensate with that. Still has the half of it in $3,750. Model wild pricing, um, significant $3,000 decrease for every single um, Trim, even the new one, but relatively new one, the Model Y all-wheel drive with 4680 cells went from 50,000 to 47,000. Um, $50,000 now for the Model Y long range. That's a very good deal. I think that's the cheapest has ever been. Um, Model Y performance, $54,000. And important to note that all three of those models still get the full $7,500 tax rate in the US. So the uh, Model Y now is uh, easily an under $40,000 car. Which is, uh, yeah, and I mean, with the tax credit, it's under thirty thousand. Starts under thirty thousand. Sorry, it starts under forty thousand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, yeah, and then some states, it's like closer to like thirty-five thousand that yeah. it starts now. So, uh, Model S and X did not get a price change in that wave, but uh, overnight, it did get a price increase of twenty-five hundred dollars for every single trim. But it also came with three years of free supercharging uh, added for new buyers. So this is pretty straightforward. I think Tesla just realized that at that price point, which is like more expensive, and, and, and they have received significant price decrease over the, the last three, three or four months too. So it's not like, like this $2,500 doesn't change much compared to like what people were paying last year, over $100,000 for MLS uh, long range. Now it's... Uh, um, $85,000, but yeah, it went up 2,500 and 
that three years of supercharging is probably more valuable for people in that price range than the 2,500 bucks. So if people are basically paying 2,500 bucks for three years of free supercharging, which is actually a bad deal for most people. I think. Yeah. Most people won't use that unless you're an Uber driver. Yeah. Unless you're an Uber driver or unless you're just like traveling the country all the time for some reason. So a salesperson or something. Yeah. In that case, yes, but you, you have to do like, like 50% of your charging maybe with supercharger, which is not, not the typical use case for that's a lot of sitting at at a supercharger station that too uh all right so now let's jump into the earnings and all the news that came from the earnings so we identified the expectation for the earnings that was 23.6 billion dollars in sales revenue and um, earnings of uh, 85 cents per share now the result were 23.3 billion in revenue, so a slight miss on the expectation in terms of revenue, 300 million, nothing too crazy. Well, it doesn't it sounds like a lot, but it's, it's not a lot in perspective. Uh, and uh, they met expectation with a non-gap um, earnings of 80, 85 cents per share. Um, when you look at the actual financials, financial results from Tesla, like again, the, the two big ones are revenue and earnings and the sort of met expectation on both. The stock ended up crashing. And it's not exactly clear why, because obviously the big thing was the, the people were looking at the gross margins, how much the gross margin were affected in the first quarter of the year <clears throat> following all those price cuts. And Tesla came at 19.3% uh, gross margin, which is significantly down for the mid to low 20s that they, was, they were getting before that. But it's higher than most people expected. So most people, well, most people put their range between 15 and 20. Uh, so 19.3 is at the upper hand of that range. But I, I was expecting anything over 15% gross margin re retained after those price cuts to, to be pretty good. Uh, what it means now is that it's likely going to be over 15% follow this quarter following the additional price cuts. So it, it leaves Tesla room to absorb these additional price cuts that happened over the last um, few weeks, really. But the market was not impressed, and Tesla stock was down 10% uh, yesterday uh, following the market opening, the first market opening following the earnings. Tesla still had an 11% operating margin, which is industry leading. They had um, uh, contributed more cash to their cash position, which is now over $22 billion. So everything like on, on paper looks very good. Um, but just I think maybe not enough like big news came out of it. I think the one thing that I thought was interesting is like they tried to justify those price cuts in uh, the earnings uh, shareholder letter. And the way that they did it, it's sort of, I don't, it, it, people don't don't believe them. They don't, like, they made it sounds like, oh, it's not necessarily about demand. Even though during the call, they made it, Elon made it clear it was about demand. They, made, they even said like, oh, we're looking at every day how many orders coming in, how, how much production is coming out. And we we're adjusting to, to that in order to have demand match production. That's it. So it's about demand creation, which is always is. Pricing is always about that. Like you're going to sell a product for as much as you can um, in a certain market. And yes, there's a bunch of factors right now out of Tesla's control affecting those that demand, especially the interest rate and the general microeconomics that 
people have some concerns and that sometimes blocks them from making large purchases like a car. That's completely fair. But then Tesla was like, we basically took the decision, I'm, I'm paraphrasing what they said, we, we, we took the decision to not necessarily sell cars at a higher profit, but instead deliver as many cars as we can at the best price we can. Um, which is technically true, that's, that's what they did. But then they said so that we can build up a fleet where we can extract more profit out of it. Basically. Right. That's what they said. So I'm going to read the, the shareholder letter here, the, the, the specific comments so that we're clear. Uh, in the current macroeconomic environment, we see this year as a unique opportunity for Tesla. As many car makers are working through challenges with the unique economics of, of their EV programs. <laughs> That's, okay, unit economics. I, I read it unique in my head. I thought that was like a nice slide for Tesla. <laughs> unique mean, uh, meaning uh, uh, negative gross margin. Anyway, uh, we aim to leverage our position as a cost leader. So you see, like the way they say it like that, it always, always makes it sound like they want the price war. But Elon was clear about that was not the goal. I agree. That I sounds like we know we can absorb those costs. We know they can, so we're doing it. That sounds like that. But then anyway, we continue. We are focused on rapidly growing production, investment in autonomy, and vehicle software are remaining on track with our growth investment. Those last two here are what's important. Although we implemented price reduction on many vehicle models across regions in the first quarter, our operating margin reduced at a manageable rate. That's true. We expect ongoing cost reduction of our vehicle. Costs did go down last quarter, so that's good too, including improved production efficiency in our new, newest factories and lower logistical costs and remain focused on operating leverage at as we scale. So these last two here, uh, autonomy and uh, vehicle software, Elon sort of clarified that comment on the call after saying that he strongly believes that Tesla is going to be able to make money by selling subscription service to software like the, um, what's it called, the premium, premium connectivity that Tesla offers right now. And obviously the big one is full self-driving, which is a $15,000 software add-on basically uh, and they even talked a little bit about uh, service making some money on so like uh, this is an additional comment that was in the shareholder letter on near-term pricing strategy consider a long-term view on per vehicle profitability given the potential lifetime value of a tesla vehicle through autonomy supercharging connectivity and service we expect that our product pricing we call suit to evolve upwards or downward depending on the number of factor the main one being demand I'm added the last part here because they, they've, they, they've been very good throughout their earnings to navigate all around that. Like it's not, it's not about demand basically, uh, even though at times they had to say it. But yeah, this is a kind of a change of strategy from, I mean, if you've been following Tesla closely, you've seen that change slowly happen over time. But if you just um, rewind back like three years behind or something like that, and you fast forward, you were fast forward to today, you would be, oh, this is like a big change in strategy with Tesla where they plan to make money supercharging, wasn't the case before. Uh, connectivity, uh, they never said they wouldn't do that, but they kind of creeped in on, on Tesla owner. Service, that, that was a big no-no for a long time, Tesla. We're not making money on service. We're making money selling cars, not servicing them because what's the best service set? Not needing any. Yeah, no service is the best service. Um, so yeah, I mean, this this is a big change. Did you uh, did you see that one coming? No, uh, I yeah, I, I'd wonder if they mean a different type of service, like 
you know, mm-hmm. instead of mm-hmm. uh, no, you're not going to give me that one. Did you did you listen to the call after? Uh. Uh-uh. No, so in the call, like some people were like noted that, and uh, Elon started the. And he had a good point, to be fair. Like I, I even, I, I knew, I sort of knew about it, but I didn't know what the percentage were. So I went back and checked. He said, that, he said like one of the big advantage of the legacy automakers is that they already have a large existing fleet of vehicles that they make money selling parts, like overpriced parts to. It's right. so. Um, we always identify this as advantage of owning its own service versus the third-party dealership as being a big one for Tesla, um, where other automakers just didn't get any revenue from from those services. But what we didn't notice is that they basically have a monopoly on on customers on those dealerships who sell them parts, and often they are overpriced parts. Right. So yeah, he was right that the automakers make a ton of money off of that. And obviously, you have a big advantage of selling cars for decades prior. So you have a giant user base, a customer base that you can affect. Tesla doesn't have that, but it's starting to now. It has a fleet in the millions. And it looks like it's an opportunity that they cannot pass on. Right, yeah. And and the cars are not, uh, I wouldn't say, terribly reliable. Uh, drivetrain works pretty well, but uh, things like doors and... Fun stuff like that need need repair. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it looks like Tesla is identifying that as a potential source of more revenue. And yeah, I, mean, super- I remember I remember Elon uh, standing up in front of an audience saying, "We will never charge mm-hmm. money for service or something mm-hmm. like that." Well, I never try to make a profit off of service, right? Yeah, and the same thing for supercharger, but though at the same time, the supercharger equations started to change once you started adding non-Tesla vehicles. Yeah, to the that's, fleet. that's a big one. So that's sort of a fair at this point, even though... Although there's only 10, 10 of those. Yeah, the there's only 10, and uh, and yeah, I think, Tesla, I think Tesla is slowly introducing the fact that they're going to try to make money off of, uh, of Tesla owners on that front too, I think. I think that's available also. Um, so yeah. So this this all uh, I think I think the market like didn't absorb these these changes super well right now and obviously the big one and Elon Elon said that again and that's one of the posts I'm going to get into it's uh, uh, full it's, autonomy yeah the full it's autonomy one. this year yeah he again made the mistake of saying that it's going to happen this game and then he, and then he called it full autonomy so that's that's my biggest concern with this whole thing now is that we don't even know what he means anymore like the goal itself is not clear so what is full autonomy is it is it the is it feature complete is it feature complete safer than human and what and what does that look like for a customer because we don't really know based on fsd better if it's just about like getting fsd better better to the point it's better than human there is some value in that but it's all related to safety really it's all related to like the, the the if I drive the car on top of FSD Beta is driving the car, yeah, I, I admit it's the more FSD Beta gets better, the safer it's gonna be. But it, Tesla didn't sell millions of vehicles by promising people that the car would be safer than anybody else. It helped for some. Absolutely, safety is a big factor in uh, car purchase decision making. But let's be honest, they sold those cars by 
people thinking, some people, obviously, well, not everyone believe that, but some people thinking that your car eventually you're going to wake up one morning and you're going to get a notification on your app that says that you have a new Tesla software update. And then you're going to download the Tesla software update and magically your car is going to start driving by itself, going to be able to drive you to work. Uh, then once you're at work, and this is thing that Tesla literally said here, and Elon himself, uh, you're going to be able to go to work and your car is going to be able to leave and, and do a Uber-like taxi service while you're at work and then pick you up at the end of the night and you just made some money on top of your work day. Like, this is literally things that Elon said and then even attached to that the famous, uh, um, what was the term we said about uh, he's going to gain in value? Um, appreciating asset. Yeah, it's the, yeah, the car is now an appreciating asset. Thank you, Seth. So, yeah, there's that fam famous comment that hasn't really lived to... Uh, didn't age very one well day, so far day. because the, the the value of Tesla used vehicles is crashing. Well, with a lot of other used vehicles, to be fair. So yeah, this is. I think this is the biggest issue and why Tesla stock went down because why Tesla stock rose insanely over the last few years is because Tesla is selling a ton of vehicles more than anybody else when it comes to all electric vehicles and volume at a very high gross margin. Um, now, Tesla is showing a willingness to cut down on those gross margin, which is completely fine. But when you come out and you give the reason, it's like, you know, one of the main reasons why we were so willing to cut down on those costs is that because we're very confident that we're going to be able to deliver full autonomy and that's going to create a ton of value. And now Elon always says, like, hey, the market doesn't understand how much value is going to create. The market completely understands that. What we don't believe is the capacity for him to deliver on those promises with FSD beta getting to full self-driving. So now I think the market is a little bit more concerned about, okay, well, this is a weird approach. Like we understand the need to cut down on gross margin right now to sell more cars. But if your plan is that, uh, not everyone is on board. So I think that's uh, one of the main reasons where we saw Tesla stock crash uh, yesterday. But that's one thing. There was a lot of other things that are very good about the earnings. One of them was that energy storage deployment. That was insane. 360% uh, up year over year. Tesla had a huge quarter with 3.9 gigawatt hour of, uh, of deployment. That's almost double the last quarter. Uh, so 360% year over year, but double last quarter almost. Uh, obviously, we, we if you follow electric closely, you knew that that was kind of coming because uh, we reported that the mega factory in, in Latrop was uh, ramping up production a lot faster than a lot of people anticipated because that thing just went online last year. So it's pretty crazy that it went so fast. Um, but yeah, and then you have obviously Shanghai. That's another 40 gigawatt hour factory per year. So yeah, you look, look at that uh, deployment rate here. It's... Uh, I don't know if you see this little curve, but it's a pretty big yeah, one. Hockey stick. <laughs> yeah, it's going to keep going like that. Uh, obviously, the quarter to quarter, you have to be careful because uh, these are huge projects. So the deployment is when they actually are installed. So sometimes it's going to go down a little bit. Sometimes it's going to shoot up like crazy, like it was this quarter. Uh, solar deployment was not very high, though, but uh, it looks like it's less and less of a focus for Tesla. 
Uh, we got a big update on 4680 cell, and uh, that's thanks to uh, Drew Baglino, a senior VP of engineering at Tesla. He went into like great details. I won't go into everything because it's not going to be a crazy long show if we do. Like, he literally had like, look at this, this is a big post that I released today, and it went into all the details. But uh, the, the summary of it basically is that uh, great progress on 4680 cells themselves, especially production in Texas. Uh, more equipment is being deployed. Cattle factory uh, going to start producing this year, um, next year for uh, Corpus Christi, um, and uh, which is the, the lithium uh, factory, the lithium processing factory. And, um, and yeah, everything is looking good basically for a ramp up of 4680 cells in Texas for volume production of Cybertruck uh, next year. Uh, speaking of Cybertruck, uh, we got some updates on that front. Uh, so Tesla did uh, say that more equipment is being deployed uh, for tooling of the, the factory line. The, the pilot production line is uh, deployed, and they released some pictures of it, which is nice. Uh, this one is an interesting one where you see the body. Uh, first time Tesla released an official picture of the body of the truck. And a lot of people are um, noting that uh, it's pretty clear from the body that these that Tesla is using a very loose de definition of the word exoskeleton when they talk about <laughs> it. Like it's it's looking more and more like a very kind of normal vehicle chassis with bigger casting part and the fact that the outside is going to be stainless steel. So that's I guess that's more unique, even though it's not completely unique, um, considering there was the DeLorean and whatnot. But the exoskeleton where the, because the normal definition of exoskeleton is that you have structural, the outside part is, or the structural skeleton of the vehicle. Uh, you have the body here and we don't see a lot of outside part right now. Kind of obvious. Also from this, you notice the guys mm -hmm. carrying a... Uh, a scuba tank. <laughs> yeah, a... Uh, or the air suspension. Pressurized. Yeah. Is it for the yeah. air suspension or... Maybe. Maybe. Those aren't cold thrusters, right? <laughs> Maybe there's a roadster right behind this. <laughs> so, yeah. right. Maybe the roadster, this is like, be a surprise. The, the roadster production line is, the roadster is being built on the same production line as the Cybertruck. Uh, so here I mean, in another picture, you see the Rivian giant. Rivian has things, uh, you know, where, and, and other trucks have a thing where you can uh, inflate, you know, air mm -hmm. air compressor built in. Maybe that's part of it. Yeah. Maybe you can inflate the tires a little bit. Something like that. I don't know. Yeah, that would be a surprise feature for a Cybertruck. We see someone installing the giant windshield that you have on the on the Cybertruck here. And the last picture is uh, like an overall view of the, the production line the, with uh, all the robots that are going to build a Cybertruck. All at uh, Gigafactory, uh, Texas. And also a picture of the Cybertruck winter testing. So that's a good news too, because we know that uh, winter testing is one of the very last thing that Tesla does. Uh, so last minute thing that doesn't include anything that comes with a design to make it better for, win for winter driving. <laughs> I'm exaggerating company. a little bit, but it has been, it has been one of the digs that uh, people have done at Tesla. That's a very much of a, well, we cannot say that anymore. That's a California company and yeah, make a California Texas. car, but. Texas company. It's uh, maybe a little bit tougher winter sometimes in <coughs> Texas. Uh, then Elon went out. Well, so in the shareholder uh, letter, there was uh, the mention of the Cybertruck did not 
go into great details about timing other than later this year. And uh, that's technically that could match the same that was said before, which was to start a production in the summer. Uh, but then Elon went into a little bit more detail on the call after where he mentioned um, a delivery event, an handover delivery event, end of the third quarter. So that would put the event in uh, September or even probably end of September. Um, so, so Tesla would be looking here at the first delivery of the Cybertruck around September, so a little bit later than the summer. So what we expect is like there's going to be a slow start of production this summer. Um, Tesla's going to test those vehicles a lot, uh, drive them internally and whatnot. And then delivery event in September, historically, if we look at other Tesla program, it would mean likely just a few vehicles deliver mostly to internal people at Tesla, employees, board members and whatnot. And then from there, again, a lot more employee deliveries over the next few months, ramping up to a few thousand units. Like again, I'm basing this basically on the Model Y ramp. This is the most recent one that we had. Um, and then I at this point, I would not expect an actual customer, an outside Tesla customer, to get a cyber truck until sometimes in Q1 2024, uh, based on that updated timeline here. Uh, and then a production ramp throughout 2024, volume production likely in the in the summer of 2024. That makes uh, a little bit more sense to me. Uh, Model Y, uh, this didn't actually. Keep, well, Tesla sort of confirmed it for for the U.S. and for for China and the and, and for no, actually not China, but for some European markets. That the model, but uh, I think it's worth noting because even though we we just laughed at Elon Musk for his prediction on the full self driving. You have to give the guy credit for this prediction because when he made it back in 26, well, in 2016, he said that the Model Y would have between half a million and a million um, units of demand per year, roughly. That alone, people were laughing at him because Tesla was just producing like a hundred, like, I think he just reached about 100,000 units or something like that. So a lot of people saw that that was not possible, but then he went as far after that to say that it will actually be over a million units and the Model Y will likely be, well, will certainly be the highest revenue vehicle in the world, which it was last year, but it will be the best selling vehicle in the world per unit period. And based on the data that we uh, gathered for the first quarter, it is on the path to do that this year in 2023 to be the best selling vehicle worldwide. It was the best-selling non-pickup truck uh, in the U.S. this year, so it sold it sold more than uh, the Rav4 from Toyota and uh, uh, Nissan Rogue and, and and all that that were really popular in the U.S. It sold a little bit less than the uh, the Chevy Silverado and Ford and 550 Lightning, uh, not Lightning, sorry, it's just the 150 period, uh, but. In terms of passenger cars, it was the best selling in the US. It was the best selling two in China, which is also impressive, the two biggest mar uh, automotive markets, and a bunch of European markets too. So if it keeps going like that, it's going to likely be the Toyota Corolla as the best selling passenger car in the world this year. So that would be quite an achievement for the first electric vehicles to do that. Yeah, I mean, it's impressive, but it, it's also important to note that tesla has like two car two mass market cars where yeah. you know toyota's got 20 cars and gm's got 20 cars and ford has a couple cars so you know whatever 
Yeah, so what you're saying is that like people, like more people that want to buy Tesla are going to have to buy this car specifically. Right. Yeah. But at the same time, so yeah, if you, if you look at the brand, like obviously these brands send a lot more vehicles total because they have more models too. Right. All right. Um, Tesla sort of unveiled like two new models uh, this week, but they are for specific markets only. Uh, so the Model 3, oh, uh, Model 3, um, with more range, really. It's a long-range rear-wheel drive. So it's basically a comeback here of bringing... Because right, normally, the Model 3 long range is only available in all-wheel drive. You have a standard range battery pack that is available in rear-wheel drive. But now Tesla has put the rear-wheel drive with the long-range battery pack for, but only for the UK market right now. And not only, only for the UK market, but only for businesses in the UK market. So commercial use but not, not necessarily well it doesn't have to be i'm not talking like taxi services and like that but it has to be bought through a business that's what i'm saying um and it ends up with a, in the range of 394 miles on a single charge which is pretty wild that's wltp too but the wltp and epa standard have started being getting closer so that that would probably be like a 370 or something miles range on the epa uh, standard so pretty wild Starting price of forty-seven thousand uh, pounds, so it's uh, a little bit cheaper than. Uh, well, I mean, in USD, it's fifty-eight thousand USD, but that's I think that includes the taxes in the UK. None. Do you think so. they got like a couple big orders in the UK for that particular model? Like, uh... yeah, I mean, there's a lot of incentive in the UK for uh, buying an electric vehicle through a business. The uh, what they call the big like the benefit in kind tax that they get in the UK. It normally for a car, it's between twenty and thirty-seven percent depending on the car. It it's capped at two percent uh, for electric vehicles. So yeah, th but that doesn't necessarily explain the specific model. Uh, so yeah, you might be right. There might be like might be a specific company that went for it and and they they did that. We know that Uber is buying a lot of cars, electric cars uh, in the UK to to make their service completely electric soon in the UK. So maybe something like that happened. I don't know. And they, they wanted like a more, a longer range vehicle and they don't need all wheel drive that much. I don't think you like, they could do, they have a winter in the UK, but it's not that wild, right? They don't have, yeah, it doesn't snow that often. Yeah. So you don't really need all wheel drive there unless you live in, in the country and you have like dirt roads and whatnot. But other than that. So, uh, so yeah, this is, this is a very interesting move here. And then today, uh, it's not in the podcast post because I actually wrote the article after the I wrote the podcast post. Uh, but uh, Tesla, so well, this is an existing model that just sort of made a comeback. The Model Y rear-wheel drive with standard range. So we're not talking, like in the U.S. now, you have the 4680 Model Y, which is sort of a standard range, but actually longer range because I assume the structural battery pack is not exactly the, the same capacity as the as the 2170 cell standard range pack. But yeah, um, so th this this model has a, also is aimed at incentives again. So the Model Y uh, rear-wheel drive has, um, a, what, okay, uh, has a range of, well, this is Canada, so it's 394 kilometers. Uh, 245 miles, the equivalent. So it's a, about 30 miles. Uh, oh, no, just four miles shorter than the, 
no, it's 279 or two, uh, 279 or 249. Uh, the 4680 mobile Y. I'm, I'll remember, let me check right now, real quick. Uh, 279. So, yeah, okay, it's, it's about uh, 30 miles shorter than the um, 4681. Uh, also, it has, again, rear wheel drive rather than all wheel drive. Like, the, there's no rear wheel drive right now available in the US. Uh, so it's a model just for Canada. And the thing is bring the price under $60,000. So, well, basically $60,000. And what that does is on top of the federal incentive, $5,000 Canadian incentive that's available throughout Canada, which is available for both, was already available for the Model Y long range too, but it wasn't uh, reaching the um, threshold for the Quebec incentive which is even higher at seven thousand dollars so now this specific model is available you get both of them in quebec so that's twelve thousand dollar discount so the car basically starts at forty eight thousand uh, dollars which is uh starting to make a lot more sense so the forty eight thousand dollars is the equivalent of thirty five thousand dollar usd so wow. this is this is about the same price as uh the base model y it was in, in in the state with all-wheel drive which is very rare that we have the same price in the U.S., especially, again, with incentive on both sides here I'm talking about. So, yeah, this is this is a big addition that's going to likely just uh, result in a big boost of our orders in, in Quebec. And, and the rest of Canada, I think, also will, will enjoy it because it's just less expensive to start with. And if you only had access to 5,000, it's the same thing, basically. All right, let me go back to the podcast post. We have a few more Tesla articles discussed. Uh, um, no, one more. Uh, the trip planner. So this is a cool one that makes you think, like, why wasn't there already? But uh, Tesla's trip planner is making its way to the mobile app now. So if you just downloaded a new update that came out yesterday on your um, on iOS on, or Android, now when you go to the location tab on, on the mobile app, uh, you can search for a location and you can have the car, like uh, not have the, but you can plan a route to that location instead of just looking for charger. Normally it was just, it was for two things that location tab. It was for knowing where your car was, for if, if you didn't know for whatever reason, and um, to look for a, a charging station around it. But now you can plan a route, including with charging stops. So in this case, for, for to, to test out, I, I put the entire state building. Uh, from my place in Shawinigan, and it plans the route for you like it does in the car. So in the car, you have that feature where it tells you uh, your charging stuff. So like stop, stop at Lasberg and have 7%, charge it up for 24 minutes, stop at Albany, charge supercharger, and so on. And then you can uh, edit those uh, locations. You can edit those stop and everything, which is nice. And then the nicest of all is you can send that to the car so that means you can now plan your trip from outside your vehicle and then send it to the car. You just come into your car and it's already uh, and knows where it's going. So uh, some people are saying, oh, this is in preparation for Tesla being full self-driving and you're going to be able to tell your car to go somewhere from the app and whatnot. And this is just, this is useful right now. Basically, if like you don't have to go into your car to plan your trip, you can just be uh, sitting at the dining table with your family when you're planning a road trip and you're like, all right, let's let's do this, let's do that. And then you send it to the car and you're done. And I think that's more of the goal than full self-driving. Yeah, that's weird that 
people think that that's coming this year. <laughs> well, if you're Elon, you, you truly believe it. Uh, that's it for our Tesla news this week. We have a bunch of other um, news to discuss, so we're going to jump into that. But uh, I want to remind you that uh, uh, we'll probably have for another like 30 minutes or so, the, the show's probably going to run a little bit late. But we're going to have some time to get into your questions, so you can put your questions right now in the comment section right now. We're going to get to them in a few minutes. We already have all, a bunch, though. So um, if you want to put your question, put it in right now, because uh, probably going to maybe not have time to go through them all. All right, Rivian did the uh, obvious. We, we knew it was coming. Actually, we were surprised that it wasn't announced earlier, but the CEO, uh, RJ Scarringe, confirmed that uh, they're going to follow up uh, Tesla's move to open up their, their charger, uh, their fast, the DC fast charging network, because their Waypoint network was already um, open to non-Rivian vehicles. But now they're going to do the same with the Adventure network, their, which is the name of their DC fast charging network, which right now is a... I think last time I checked, I don't know if we commented on on this here. I don't think we did. I think I think they have like two dozen station max right now, so it's not it's not a big deal. But obviously, if they do reach their goal of six hundred stations and thirty five hundred DC fast charger in the U.S., it's going to be more significant. And also, they aim to have location more in like that. That's why it's called the adventure network in location that like enable like off road riding and things like that. So it could be interesting. And obviously, they have the big advantage over Tesla that they don't need like a magic dock solution or anything like that. They already use the CCS uh, adapter. So any, and they have long, relatively long cables too, which is nice. Hmm. This is a good picture. Like you have never seen that many charging at once at, at the actual Rivian charging station. And obviously, Tesla's with the CCS adapter can charge there as well. Yeah, yeah, Rivian can do both now. All right, the Polestar 4 was unveiled as a, an SUV coupe and um, without rear windows. I don't know what that's about, but the vehicle itself looks sharp. It looks like a little squished down Porsche Cayenne a little bit to me. Um, so it was unveiled at the Shanghai Auto Show like we discussed earlier. Here are some specs, 0 to 60 in 3.8 seconds thanks to a 400 kilowatt uh, dual motor drivetrain. Uh, there's going to be a single motor configuration too, where you lose half the power. Zero to sixteen set seven point four for that, which is nothing to bark at. Um, a range of up to three hundred miles. Now we're going to have to be careful with that. Like so, when, when they announce something in China, we don't know if they are talking about the Chinese uh, driving cycle standard, which is a little bit lax. Or, but at the same time, they're talking about the range, uh, batch pack of up to 102 kilowatt hours. So I feel like you should, even though the Polestars are not known to be the more, most efficient vehicles out there, I feel like you should be able to get EPA range of over 300 miles with that, with a vehicle of that size. And do we have the size of it too? Yeah, I can do that. Uh, DC fast charging of 200 kilowatts, which is uh, more than decent. Uh, zero, uh, no, five to 80% in 32 minutes, also very decent. Uh, up to 22 kilowatt AC fast charging. That's also very good, though. I would assume that that's going to be optional, like a dual charger option. Because I think most people don't are not not going to want that necessarily because you won't use the 22 that often. I know in some different markets they have, you know, like in Europe they have the three phase yeah. AC. So yeah, it is going to be an option. I would assume. Otherwise, it's, it's overkill for the North American market. Um, I know I have it on my original Model S uh, 
like I have the dual charger, but never. I think I used it. Oh, like, you have the eighty amp charger. Yeah, but oh, uh, like, I think I used it like two or three times max. Like, if some level two station happens to have it, but it's very rare. Um, uh, you know, the uh, Parks Canada. Like when you go to National Parks Canada, sometimes they have a lot of Tesla uh, level two chargers there, and sometimes they have it uh, up to. Uh, is it? I don't know. If it's twenty two the ADMs. Is it uh, add up 22 kilowatts? Pretty close. I, I think. think it's I think it's closer to 20, but yeah, yeah, whatever. Bi-directional charging, so that's basically a a must now for new electric vehicles coming to market. Yep. All right, the, the dimensions here. Uh, so it sits between the Polestar two and the new three. Yeah, the three is a bigger SUV, which makes two. zero sense, by the way. Yeah. Like, uh, well, it's, it's really just about when they come out. It's clear at this point that the naming scheme is like the the, the Polestar 18. That's going to be one that's going to come out in 2030, right. and it's <laughs> uh, it's two inches uh, shorter in each dimension than the three. So okay, so it's not that much smaller than, than the three. Uh, two or three inches taller than the three. Oh no! Yeah. Okay, uh, the, uh, two inch, two or three inches taller. Okay, we're comparing it both to the three and the two at the same time here. It's a bit confusing. Two or three inches and wider than the the two, and ten inches longer than the two. Okay. Yeah, sorry, it's a little bit confusing though. But they call it the D segment, so an SUV coupe. Hey, yeah, you look at this angle; it's hard to see the SUV. It almost it looks more like a sedan from this angle. Yeah, and it kind of looks like a. Uh... Polestar 2 a lot. Mm, a little bit more refined than the Polestar 2. Right. I think. Uh, a little bit less um, uh, muscle car. Like the Polestar 2, like if you just uh, you squint uh, for a second, it looks almost like a muscle car sometimes. This mm -hmm. is a little bit more elegant uh, design, I feel like. Uh, all right. Do we have anything else noteworthy to discuss about those? Some, so here, here's the, the, the lack of rear window. Um, I guess, I mean, everyone uses the rear camera view these days, so it's not that big of a deal. I don't know. Maybe it's going to make people feel claustrophobic a little bit in the back. I don't know. Yeah. So I, I have a problem with this. Like, I understand, like, if you have a design that makes the rear window small or hard to see or whatever, you know, using a camera back there. Uh, but this one, it looks like they just made it solid for no reason like that that piece above where the window should be could just be a window it's like they this did it specifically just to do it right like why not just make that glass yeah especially i would like to see the trunk open for some reason right now because is, is this just this the trunk that opens is this or this this part too not sure because if it's just this part yeah there's no excuse i feel like But like so, I guess this is the Polestar uh, explanations. Is Polestar said that this camera enables greater rear visibility for the driver, since instead of looking through a small aperture of the rear window, the camera can offer. That's fair. Like, yeah, yeah as long as your camera is clean, as long as the camera yeah. is clean. But but and this on one top. is on top. Yeah, so it's it's gonna be a lot better. I I mean that's fine. Like a lot of cars have rear cameras, you know, that by the license plate or whatever. Uh, and 
being on top is better for sure. But like, it just seems like this was done for no reason. And, you know, like if you're going to do a really good camera, it doesn't mean you have to remove the, the window. You can have both. Yeah. Hard to argue against that. Uh, pri uh, what pricing and timing? 60K. Yeah, 60. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, okay. No, no official North American pricing just yet, but the range should be around start starting at sixty thousand dollars. I think I think the previously said like sixty to eighty thousand dollars is gonna be the price range for it. Um, twenty twenty four, so it's coming next year. Yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not mad at Polestar. I think Polestar is. Uh, yeah, they've got a distinctive look. Yeah, yeah, they they they, they you know, are carving themselves a nice little piece of the market right now. Like you know, fifty thousand or so units delivered last year. I think they're aiming for eighty thousand this year. Um, they they are not making them profitably just yet, so we're gonna have to keep an eye on that, obviously. But um, they're gonna have to turn this around. But uh, they're not too far from it, and of course, they're back by Geely and Volvo. Well, Volvo Geely, same thing now. You know, one thing that I like about the Polestar on that front is that. Um, you know, they're already all electric right now. You know, there was the Polestar one thing that doesn't exist anymore, so right. it's okay. I'm I'm over it. <laughs> I was I thought it was weird at first. Like it it it's sort of uh, uh, I I I didn't see Polestar has seriously because of the way that they launch with the Polestar one, obviously. But I'm over it now. I'm, I, I like them. Um, but what I like is like because they're all electric now. All the whole lineup is electric, and it's a, officially a separate company than Volvo and Geely now, and even on the stock market and everything. I think that when when the uh, market shift is going to happen, which I think is going to happen in the next two years, where people only a small fraction of people are even going to consider buying a new car that's not electric. Everyone else is going to know that your next car is going to be all electric. Um, it's going to put a ton of pressure on Geely's other companies where they are like, okay, now we. We, we, we need to completely phase out our internal combustion engine vehicles programs. And I think that's going to be very good for Polestar because like Polestar is going to be that like Geely's uh, savior, basically, where they already right. are the all electric ones. So they're going to shift everything on Polestar, I think. So, uh, yeah, I mean, so, Volvo has plans to be all electric by 2030. Yeah, yeah. Volvo is so. one of the most aggressive. You're right. But um, but still, uh, Geely is, is way bigger than Volvo and, uh, right. and Polestar. All right, so we talked a little bit about it, the ID7 from Volkswagen uh, last week because of a leak in China, but now it was fully unveiled uh, this week at the auto show. Uh, so a range, a WLTP range of 435 miles. So that's that's very nice, especially considering, again, like I said earlier, the WLTP. Now I'm getting some doubt, though. Is it really WLTP or is it the Chinese standard? And we might have made a mistake here, but... If it's really WLTP, this is this is very nice. Um, but for some reason, I, as I said it, I, I I got a little bit of a doubt. But you remember that set? You, you yeah, that set to the embargo. Yeah, if you one. go down a little bit. Um, WLTP, it says. Yeah. Four thirty-five. Seems high a little bit to me. Yeah, I mean they've got I mean, a a big uh, battery and a really eighty-two, eighty-two yeah. kilo. This is a big car set. Ooh, yeah, that's true. Uh, we're well, going to get back to you on that because, yeah. I mean, we're saying a WLTP here, but uh, I, I just want to be sure we're not we're not hyping it a little I bit mean, too much. I mean, it's got a low, small, it's got a 
low drag coefficient, mm-hmm. uh, very low power motor. Oh, wait a minute. So the European one has a bigger battery pack? A little bit bigger, not... Yeah. Well, 91, because they, they, they're using, you know, Volkswagen is big on that now. They, they, they released the gross and, and the right. net uh, after the buffer. So 90, 91 kilowatt hour, I'm starting to believe a little bit more at 400 miles range. But even then, this is a big car. Yep. Uh, 73 inch wide, uh, 195 inches long. This is, a, this is a full-size sedan. Yeah, it's like the Passat. Yeah. But 0.23 of a drag coefficient, it is it is uh, quite aerodynamic, um, not 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 as aerodynamic as like a Model S, but we're getting pre- pretty close. Yep. Um, and and with a very low power motor, maybe you can get the efficiency up. Yeah, because like here we said, although the EPA range will be lower, it will be mid to high 300 miles range. Yeah. Okay. M- uh, with a with an eighty two kilowatt hour battery pack, at this size, yeah, yeah, I would say low three hundred miles range, more than high, and right. maybe I don't know. Especially like Volkswagen is known for using a big battery buffer, not but they have reduced that over the years. Now it's a seven, uh, five kilowatt battery buffer. Yeah, it's not too bad. Maybe. Yeah, and seven, just- yeah, said. Oh, just design-wise, it's it's pretty generic. Like, uh, yeah. it's not amazing. They they originally showed this thing with like that paint that changed White color. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. To try to make it interesting. Um, inside, it's very sedan-y. Uh I mean, I, I'm not saying it's ba- it's bad or ugly. It's, it's, a, it's just a clean like, look inside, though. Yeah, it's, a clean it's look. very it's a very nice vehicle inside and out. It's not just too busy. Not interesting. It's not very interesting, I guess. Yeah. I would say. Yeah, it's nothing crazy. Um, they have aero wheels too. I am, I'm building up to the idea. <laughs> uh, 170 kilowatt charging, not crazy. Uh, like, normally, I like to see over 200 kilowatts. At this point, yeah. Yeah, but at the same time, Volkswagen is as always focused on uh, getting that uh, charge curve uh, not bending so quickly. After right. achieving a peak, so maybe if they can maintain that 170 for for, for longer, I, I'd be happy with it. So something to keep an eye on. Yeah, they have a big infotainment system in there. Um, anything other mentioning? Launching in North America next year. Oh yeah, 10 to 80 percent in 25 minutes. That's pretty pretty speedy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that charging curve must be pretty good. Yeah. We don't have any pricing on this yet, but uh, you can expect it's going to be top of the line of uh, of the ID lineup from Volkswagen. So, um, looking at like what well, the higher hand ID four, probably going to be around that starting price, I would assume. Yep. All right, now we're going to go very high hand people, starting with BMW unveiling the new i7 M70. So it's the new top of the line i7. Um, Let's go through it real quick. Over 300 miles of range, 31-inch theater screen. Uh, almost looks like a Rolls-Royce if you just hide the front of it yep. for a second. <laughs> Especially with that two-tone. Yeah. 
Um, what else? What else? What else? Uh, 660 horsepower. Zero to 60 in 3.7 seconds. That's using the launch mode or the M Sport Boost. For those who don't know, M is like the performance sub sub brand of BMW. I don't know if you call that a sub brand. Almost like a, just a moniker. Yeah. Just short of 102 kilowatt hour of a usable energy capacity. Usable. Okay, so it might be an even bigger battery pack too. That's um, starting to get significant. Uh, 300 and yeah, you see, like this is this is about the size of the ID4, uh, ID7 here, bigger battery pack, and they're talking about 303 to 348 miles of WLTP range. Obviously, right. it's a lot more powerful of a powertrain. Uh, so if you using that sport-like driving performance, that makes that number go down versus the 300, the 435 miles discussed of the ID4, but still. Yeah, this is the new top of the line BMW electric car you can buy, basically. Yep. Uh, no, no, we don't have any pictures of the interior. I love the BMW interior. No, okay. Doesn't look like it. Uh, staying in the super luxury segment, we have a Mercedes Maybach. Uh, so this is the EQS 680 SUV. So it's the we are. They're not, did you drive? You know, you drove the EQE SUV? Yeah, the EQE okay. is nice, but not yeah. nearly this nice. Yeah. yeah, you drove the EQE AMG. So so Maybach is like, is it is it above AMG or is it it's AMG? Above AMG? It. Yeah, AMG is more performance oriented, right. though Maybach is more luxury That's oriented, right. I think. Yeah, okay. Um, all right, what we got here? I mean, we so if we since it's more luxury oriented, I don't think that they're gonna change the spec that much. It's more gonna be about the packing it with luxurious features. So there's a mini fridge in there and things like that, like literally. Um, so it's a two, yeah. The configuration changed too, so it's a two plus two now. So it's uh, you know, I have the fifth seat. Yeah, in the uh, back, the back kind of looks like a first class cabin in an airplane. Yeah, let me see. I want to see. I want to see. Yeah, the front looks similar with like the giant screen of uh, Mercedes. So you see that in AQS and AQE too. The seats look like ooh, a little bit more comfortable. Okay, 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 yeah, you have a slider here. Let me see. What is that? What am I even looking at right it now? Looks like a flux capacitor. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Yeah. Okay. This. This is. Leave <laughs> moly. Look at that. Uh, yeah. This Don't is. Don't the champagne. Than... Yeah. <laughs> the champagne glass. Chilled champagne with the fridge. Yeah, have a full screen in the back here. This is nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another thing to have the list of things I could never afford. Right. Speaking of, do I, do we have the price on this thing? It's uh, if you have to ask. Yeah, if you have to ask, you can afford. Um, the range also goes way down. Uh, no, 373 yeah. miles. Well, I thought it was it would go way down in there. Yeah, no pricing on it, but again, like like said said. I would guess like 300. Mm -hmm, probably. Yeah. All right. Going back from the higher end to a little bit more mid-range. Uh, new BZ. That's uh, in the sounds like Toyota is, is sticking with that naming scheme. 
of um, new two new electric. Those are concept vehicles, though, so it's not not as exciting. But um, they can basically preview what is going to come from the the next few Toyota vehicles. But it's very early concepts. Uh, as you can see, the interior looks like nothing right now. Nothing that right. Toyota would bring to market, obviously. But the shape, uh, this one, this this crossover one looks pretty good. Uh, looks like a maybe like a more aggressive Rav Four. So when whenever we actually get an electric Rav Four, it's gonna probably look a little bit closer to that. Again, interior looks like nothing, and no specs, obviously, no no specs uh, just yet. But Toyota is showing us something electric a little bit. That's rare. We're gonna take it when it comes. Yeah. Um, CTL. So this the, the, normally we don't always comment on those because there's always every week we get a company sending us press releases about their new battery that's going to change the game because it's super energy dense and blah blah blah. But uh, the batteries, the battery cells, they always have this thing where it's like uh, you, you you want them to be energy dense, you want this to have a longevity, and you want them to be able to be produced relatively cheaply. Uh, also, I would have like fast charging to that, that you want to be able to fast charge them. But that kind of goes with the longevity, like normally, like it's, it's kind of a balance between the, the, the two. Um, but it's normally like you pick two, like of those right. situations. So you're know, having all of them. And also the one where the cost effective aspect of it is one of them too, that a lot of the companies, they, they, they just, they don't even know until you can, you can produce them in high volume enough or pilot production and can ramp it up. So... Yeah, uh, a lot of times we just don't report on them because they, they turn out to be nothing. In this case, we're talking about CATL here, which is literally now the biggest battery cell manufacturer in the world. So they have a lot of credibility and they, they know what they're talking about here because they, they basically design a cell around energy density. So the other factors are not as important as energy density because it is literally aimed at the electric passenger planes market. So they want to have the battery that enables electric flight. Um, even though we're, we're, we're quite there already, we're, we're like on the verge of it, but for, for like a plane like this, a full-scale passenger plane like that, like a 740, what is 747, whatever, uh, you need about 500 watt-hour per kilogram of energy density. That's actually that's a number that Elon came up with. Elon Musk uh, has been saying for years that because yeah, he had a long time design for, for an electric plane and he was like, I cannot use that until I have this battery cell from, <laughs> um, from, from CATL. And as CATL, uh, if you know them, like they're serious about thing, they unveil this thing and they're like, this is going to production this year. So <laughs> they're not, they're not kidding around. Um, we don't have that much data beyond the energy density, but again, that is the focus of it. Um, yeah, and you, you can see like the innovation here making its way to like super high performance cars as well. Like definitely, uh, yeah, you know, Porsches, Ferraris. Yeah, and because for, for the plane, the the other aspects is not as important. Obviously, like if but I mean, I mean longevity obviously is important, but um, not as important because I, I don't know what's the percentage cost of fuel in in a airplane in, in the using an airplane but it's extremely high like it's a big 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 percentage of uh running an airplane so if you can bring that slash that down it's 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 massive it changed the whole economics of, of, of flying so uh, as soon as you can just replace that with electricity and you can get that electricity cheap airport like you can cover an airport and solar panels and then 
um, and then get your electricity from there. And then the charging, yeah, the charging, the turnaround of a plane is not is some some depending on the flight is not super quick. So you can you can have some times to charge the batteries too. It's just one of the things to do uh, uh, when you turn around the plane. So the, a lot of it makes a lot of sense. Like everything made sense for electrifying planes, other than we just don't have the energy density of it. So now we're starting to get it. All right, that's uh, that's it for all the news this week. We managed to get that right under an hour. Pretty good. Yeah, not bad. Uh, giving us some time to get you guys questions. All right. Uh, so Elon said Cybertruck launch would be third quarter. When do we, Mitchell Clark asked, when do you predict a Cybertruck launch will be held? Probably pretty close to the end of quarter three. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, this is one of those things I know people are like, well, if Elon says Q3, then uh, it has to be uh, Q3 2024, whatever, like because he's, he's been wrong about other predictions. This is not one of those kind of predictions. It's a, a lot more uh, easy to predict on Tesla's side. And I'm not going to pretend that I have more information than Elon on that front. Like he, he knows the Cybertruck program a lot better than any of us. Um, and, and it's not, and it sounds like he's being sort of careful about it because I think Tesla is still looking at starting production this summer, but extremely low production. And normally there's a few months between the start of production and the first in over event. So it all, all adds up pretty quickly, pretty, pretty well, I think. Hmm. All right. Uh, Andrew C question, any word on dual motor Rivians being delivered to customers yet? Uh, I haven't heard of that. Um, they're called the Enduro, uh, motors and they're less expensive. Uh, and they're a little bit slower and you can't do like torque turning. So, uh, but honestly, if, if they drop my price a little bit, I would, I would happily take two motors since take tank turns and stuff aren't really on the menu anymore and on top of your list huh? no all right uh, nick cedar question the bolt almost by accident looks to have an easily replaceable battery does that indicate a longer potential vehicle lifespan compared to the more integrated batteries um i mean i mean most most evs you can you can replace the battery like it's it's not it, it's not like a neo or something like that where you have two minutes and you can change the battery automatically in a in, in, in a battery changing station, like you need to go to the garage and have professional work on it and everything, including the bolt. So I don't, I don't think that's going to have a big impact. <laughs> also, most cars won't outlast the batteries. You know, the battery lasts 10 years, which I think it will. I think a lot of cars are pretty bad well, shape after 10 years. It depends on the owner. <laughs> right. All right. Uh, why long range and new long range uh, rear wheel drive LFP Canada now qualifies for EV rebates, federal and provincial starting today? Yeah. I think we covered that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're talking about Elon. Nobody mm -hmm. can believe he doubled down again, except it's really, you know, not that surprising. Not so. that surprising. All right. Uh, V11 FSD beta is bearable now. But not autonomous. I've been hearing a lot of people say uh, V11's not is it an improvement. Uh, I th I think it is an improvement, but it's it's still not to a level where I can see a clear path to actual full cell driving capability on it. Right. Um, there's just too many things that it, it, it feels dumb at times. Like it feels super smart at times, and then it feels super dumb. And um, and that that sounds human to me. Like that sounds like you know. So sometimes humans like we we 
act like it's it's like it's like it's getting drunk like you that's one of the, you know, ironically because that's one of the things that full self-driving would would fix is like it never gets drunk versus like uh, humans they get drunk they get tired they get there's a lot of things that affect Angry. us they get, yeah, road rage. yeah you road rage and things like that so uh, but sometimes it, it like it's not consistent that's the weird right. thing of it like computers should be consistent it's not so it's like oh okay all right. Uh, when do you guys predict when Y and three will be only LFE? Well, I don't think the performance versions will be LFP anytime. Or the long range version either. Yeah. I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the, the thing. There's, uh, there's probably room to improve LFP still. Like, I'm not saying LFP is, is as a, attain its max level, but not. It's not going to be crazy improvement. So. I think uh, I think it's gonna be a mix of around like probably like 60, 70 percent of all vehicles, passenger vehicles are gonna be LFP, and then like 40, 30 percent are gonna be uh, nickel based, manganese based chemistry. I think that, that sounds that about right. Yeah. All right, uh, Dan Oberstay uh, says Cybertruck worker is carrying the suspension fluid reservoir. That's that tube yeah. that we or that. I'm gonna have to trust that on that one. Yeah, I don't know. Well, that's a good good source mm. question how does the 4680 cell compare to cattle's condensed battery which has oh we just talked about that uh relating mm. to the current battery's density and how much kilowatt hours can fit in the same space i think i saw that um that 4680s were about half that like uh, 250 watt hours per kilogram or may maybe 300 at the top and you know obviously yeah. tesla's gonna iterate that you know anything about yeah, that? Yeah, well, I think I think Tesla's 2170. We're already around 250. I'm creeping in on 300. Um, 4680 might be less than that. Uh, like uh, I've, I've never seen a just just a, the battery cell uh, energy density. Um, I, I think there's going to be a curve where like Tesla's still improving on the actual design. And once they reach like full volume production, it's going to be like the final design or... or Version one, I think. I think we're still on like zero point six or something like that of the forty six eighty. So um, yeah, there's room to improvement there. But obviously, you don't you don't need uh, five hundred watt hours per kilogram for for a passenger car. Well, like you said, said maybe if you want to do like a crazy roadster at some point, something like that. Yeah. All right, Richard Cool. What what is the current take rated for FSD? Elon was asked that during the conference call actually, and he refused to answer. Um, we we obtained it once, like it's super, it's a highly guarded data at Tesla. We managed to obtain it once through a hacking leak that happened. Uh, that it wasn't even that information that leak is just that we were able to like put it together from that. And I think it was, if I remember, it was a long time ago. That it was like 2019. I want to say so. And it was at like 15%, I think. That sounds about right. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it's still around that. Maybe the FSD better convince a little bit more people. But if it's over 20%, I'd be shocked. All right. Uh, any chance of Electrek Mastodon account anytime soon? We miss you over there. Well, guess what? We have one. We, we have one, but are we posting on it? <laughs> uh, yeah, we have auto posting on it. Oh, yeah, so. we have auto posting on it. Oh, that's cool. It's very exciting over there. Come join mm -hmm. us on if you're on Mastodon. All right. Uh, when will the Model 3 long-range all-wheel drive or real-wheel drive be available to U.S. customers? The site just says available 2023. That is a weird thing. Like, I have to say, 
Like it was, it was weird that it went away for a little bit, but it's been gone for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of. I mean, what's, what do you think? What do you think is going on behind the scenes? Is there, are they waiting for the Highland? Are they? That was our biggest suspicion, but I really don't know at this point. Um, yeah, the rear-wheel drive, like shorter range, or one in Canada, we suspect is LFP cells, and probably Tesla is not really looking forward to releasing that in the U.S. just because you don't get access to the the federal tax rate, or at least not the full one. So maybe they're not going forward with that, but yeah, I'm I'm all for like just make everything available everywhere and let the customer decide what they want to go with. Like that's, that's I think that's the best approach. All right, T nine says question: What if Tesla's market cap would the same as Toyota's? Would you consider this as a success? Would you would invest? But would investors consider it a success? Well, I think the market cap needs to go down to be the same as Toyota right, right now. So, I mean, I, I don't personally, I wouldn't compare Tesla to Toyota anyway. Like, I think, yeah, I think it's batteries it's too, too different of a, of a company at this point. Uh, not just like the energy storage front and everything, which is going to be, that alone is going to be bigger than Toyota at some point soon. Um, but uh, also the fact that like the, all the, the servicing is Tesla, all the supercharger, the, these are all businesses by themselves and everything. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't compare Tesla and Toyota really. All right. Uh, question. Do you think there will be any push for smaller EVs or EV batteries due to the excess weight? That parking garage collapse in New York City is ominous. In other words, less Ford Lightnings, more bolts. Yeah, I, I saw that and I saw some people linking that to electric vehicles, but I didn't see anything serious about that. Like it's not it's it's, it's not an active theory for people involved, is it? No. I mean, yeah. obviously electric vehicles are typically heavier than correct. Yeah. So, you know, if if they're 30% heavier and a whole gr- parking garage is full of them, it's 30% Yeah, more but uh, I I would assume that the engineers involved in designing that are architects or or they, they go for way over 30% capacity uh, uh, buffer, I would assume. Uh, but uh, to your question, though, I think we need smaller EVs. And that is just, we're at a time in the market right now where it's still so early for LGV, well, relatively early for LGV vehicles, where we still need to get the public perception on board. That's why you get the super long range still and everything, because people need to see electric vehicle as being no compromise vehicle and as good or better than gasoline vehicle because the vast majority of human beings don't make decisions for for the environment they make decisions for themselves and the there's no product there's a small percentage of the population that do that so if you are one of them like kudos to you you're a better human than me but most people they don't do that it's an economic decision it's a comfort decision it's all for that and you need that your vehicles to not be a compromise so that's why I think we still need right now those longer range EV and everything. But yeah, long term, once we're past that, I think uh, there's going to be a market for for like a sm- smaller range vehicles. Um, yeah, for sure. More efficient too. Yeah, I love my Bolt. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Brad, would you expect Europe Tesla prices to follow the USA next week as happened over the last few months? Yeah. Uh, if uh, Honestly, if Tesla can get away without them they'll they're gonna do it so it all depends on but i think the thing is with with tesla buyers specifically they, they are um 
they are smart enough to follow the news where uh, where like the they know that price cuts happen in Europe. So I think that Tesla kind of shoots himself in, in the foot with that, where um, they a lot of people are gonna wait for Tesla to do to to do those price cuts because they know that price cut happen in the U.S. So the demand will go down because of that, and they will have to lower the price. I, I would think. Yeah, people are certainly waiting for it. Yeah. All right, uh, Greg Poland. This is something I've been thinking about. Uh, does Tesla give a higher trade-in value for cars with FSD versus without FSD, or would it be better to sell to a private buyer? I they know say they do. They say they do, but what is what is the difference? It's not fifteen thousand. Yeah. I sure. would be. It should be. It should be. It should be fifteen thousand. I would be shocked if it is, though. Yeah, uh, I mean, why wouldn't it be? If you're selling your car soon, if someone listening is selling their Tesla soon and you have FSD, I'd be curious to see what Tesla quotes you for, for the car. Uh, and and if you're not, if you don't have FSD, send us your quote too if you test it so we can compare because maybe Tesla won't tell you the, the quote for without, they, they won't necessarily put the value of FSD in it. Actually, I know they wouldn't because it would be too easy then to right. compare. Uh, so yeah, if you don't have FSD and you're getting your car trade into, let us know what Tesla quotes you so we can compare. Yeah, I mean, do they have an online, like, you know, if you're doing a trade-in? Uh, yeah, they might, actually. I wonder if you have to enter your... Uh... No, you have to have a VIN if you do that. So, right. I mean, we, we would have to do... Uh, uh, we would well, just have we... to have two VINs of the yeah, same. That, that matches one with all FSD, one with... Right. All right. Uh, Shane O'Sullivan, not sure if this happened in North America yet, but the new diesel cars in Europe are only around 15% less expensive than the electric equivalents. At the sticker price? I, I'm assuming. That's actually surprising because diesel sales have been going down in Europe a lot over the last year. Yeah, I don't know why years, you would so. buy a diesel car. Yeah, like, so. There's zero good things about it besides... I would think the know. value of them would go down if the demand goes down. But... Right. All right. Uh, last thing from Shane. Any thoughts on Project Highland being more than a facelift? I moved to LFP on long range, 800 volt, and vehicle to load or just a regular facelift um, i think all those things are possible but uh, we haven't heard anything specific have we yeah i think it's more than a facelift in terms of i think tesla's going to introduce uh, larger casting parts and, and, and things like that maybe structural battery pack not sure 800 volt vehicle to uh, what's v2l is vehicle to everything is it? vehicle to load to load, okay. They need to uh, figure out. Yeah. Um, the, not impossible, like you said, but not on top of, uh, not highly likely in my own opinion. All right, Mark Webb, what is the take rate on the round steering wheel versus yoke? Let's not of... just switch to default being the round now oh, from the yoke today. That's a big deal, actually. Yeah, so uh, I would assume that the take rate is higher on the round than the yoke at this yeah, point. Yeah, they're walking it back. Yeah. All right. Well, there uh, might be some pent up demand though from right. people that didn't want the yoke, and now so maybe I don't know. Uh, do you think that Tesla will ever add directional haptic feedback in the driver's seat to let you know if something you need to pay attention to? It's the best feature in my wife's Yukon. Oh, never experienced that actually, so I would have to. See yeah, what some it cars looks like. also do like a, a vibrate, like Chevy's will do a vibrating seat, like if you're going over the, the lane or mm -hmm. like buzz. So that's what he's talking about, probably. Uh, Yes. Haptic feedback yeah. at the seat level. 
Oh yeah, I guess Yukon's also a Chevy. Hmm. Um, that would be cool, I guess. Kind of weird though. Uh, especially it kind of simulates the the feeling of going over when there's like bumps. Oh, okay, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and Tesla does that with the steering wheel, right? There's like a, or am I thinking of another car? Mm, I don't no. think there's vibration in the steering wheel. All right, I'm thinking of something else. All right, uh, Peter Nelius, if range isn't a concern, not road tripping, which SUV model would you recommend overall today? ID4, EV6, Model Y, Mach-E. Try to balance tech with reliability and practicality. I'm going to probably say probably EV6. <laughs> EV6 would be my second choice, I think. Though he said SUV, uh, AV6 is barely an SUV in yeah. my opinion. Um, I would have to go with Model Y at this kind of pricing. Like the 4680 Model Y at $46,000 before yeah, incentive, that's hard to beat. You don't, you don't get the tax credit on the EV6, do you? That's true. You get uh, uh, maybe half. I, actually, I don't think you get anything. No, it's not built in the US or right. North America. Uh, ID four is not bad, but at the at that price, uh, yeah, model Y. I like the Mackie a lot too, though. Mackie Mac is fun, is fun, but uh, again, at that price, I would have to go model Y. It's the safest choice, I think. Yeah, and then you get things like the uh, supercharger network. Yeah, that's a big deal. But you said no, no uh, road tripping. That's right. But I mean, supercharger networks also nice for hanging out in the city for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan Oberste says humans by square footage are heavier than cars even EVs live, live load calculations for buildings where people may occupy or design to carry areas full of people cars are not a problem mm, uh, that's interesting I mean that's, that's true that's very pretty tight though like yeah can you pack like if you pack yeah, yeah, you need to be packed pretty tight to compare yeah. to a car. Like a car is like four thousand. I don't think people sometimes. congregate in that kind of density yeah. unless you're at a show or something. Yeah. And then last question: uh, Apple Car for WWDC. I think uh, that's Apple Car probably not going to be shown. Um, WWDC this, this year is probably going to be about the VR headset. I think. So, oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Do we, do we, is there any rumors on when the, the car, like 2025, I think? I mean, it always gets pushed back a year. Oh. Uh, it's, I don't know what, what are, the latest one is like 2026 or something. Okay. Um, I didn't know that the virtual headset was coming soon. Mm. Take a look at that. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Well, thanks. If you're still listening right now, you're a real one. You're true AV nerds, and we appreciate you a lot because we've been running a little bit late because we had a lot of news this week and a lot of questions, too. And we appreciate every one of you that uh, has questions this week. Thank you a lot. Uh, if you do enjoy the show, you can give us a thumbs up and a subscribe right now. That helps the show. If you're listening on your podcast app right now after the fact, uh, if you can give us a five-star review on your podcast app, that also helps the show tremendously. And uh, we got a few ones last week. We read, we read them, too. Appreciate you a lot for that. And uh, we're going to see you same time, same place next week. Have a fun one.